Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. Follow them on social media at Barroom Network and check out all the great programming on the network here. You can check our shows out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Of course, those last two, the audio only. If you want to see our face, you know where to go to the YouTubes. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. There he is, looking good, looking like Justin Fields on vacation or something. Oh, that was just off the top of the head. I wasn't even prepared for that, Ross. <laughs> I, I wish. Guess, yeah. I would be uh, 22-ish and uh, not eat a lot of red meat and just walk out of bed and, and have abs and have a hat just so ever so gently sit at the top of your head and it doesn't move. I don't know how that hat never flies away, but he looks no. amazing. Shout out to Justin Fields for looking. He's looking good, man. Like, an, looking like, like a QB one Adonis. Peak offseason. He's got people swooning in the in the offseason here. We'll talk about that. We have a lot to get to on the show today, of course, talking about some Bears headlines. We get the over and under wins here. You work out on vacation like Justin Fields. We got Bulls news. The draft was last week, and then they got their guy. We'll go over the rest of the draft and free agency is hitting like crazy already. Uh, you know, free agency is going to be next weekend. I should say tomorrow, uh, a lot will happen as well with the future of Zach Levine will be a little more clear too for Bulls fans as well. And then talking about July 4th around the corner here. So, you know, we got to talk about our top five songs at the cookout and what foods are necessary. I'll give you my pairings. Uh, on the NBA tip, too, we were talking about it a little bit in the pre-show, but just Draymond and Russ and Kyrie going off with the media right now, sparring with the media. They, You know it's the offseason, so that's how it goes. Surprises along the way. But to begin, Ross, let's kick it off with some bears. And, and the over and under wins is an interesting conversation as we review the schedule here. It is, absolutely. So uh, tweet today. I'm going to find the exact tweet here. Give me a, like two seconds. Uh but, you know, the tweet came out today. Uh, it came from Ben Fox. Ben Fox uh, works for um, – he's a he's a VP of digital content for uh, VSN Live. Um, basically, you know, a gambling guy, Vegas-based. Uh, and he dropped a tweet today saying the Chicago Bears under 6.5 wins is the most lopsided season win total bet at Caesar Sports so far this offseason. Over 95% of the bets are on the under in nearly 18 times – the money is on the under. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of people right now are hammering the under for that 6.5 for the Bears. And, and you know, I think we've seen throughout the entire offseason um, from local media and national media, a lot of people are, are, are very uh, bullish on this on this Bears roster. They, a lot of people think it's a, it's a bottom five roster. Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of Bears fans have been pushing back this offseason and saying, you know, they've improved and the coaching staff is going to get better. But, you know, a lot of the Sharps and, and, and some of the experts seem to think otherwise. And, you know, it poses the question, is sixteen is 6.5 uh, wins a fair number to set the line at, right? Wasn't this team six wins last year or seven wins last year? I don't even remember. It feels like such a long time ago. Um, it does. Yeah, and, you know, where, most importantly, would you put your money uh, and, and how much would you wager on that? Yeah, that's tough. Bears were 6-11 and 11 last year. Okay. Okay. So right there, I mean, that's where that's coming from. Yeah, so you know, they, everything used to yeah. – go ahead. I was going to say, so can they pick up one win more than that, that, that team from last year, right? Right. Well, that's the question. And there's – 
some changeover. You, you know, the defense is looking a little different. And then offensively, you think that they're going to take that next step. We'll talk about Justin Fields in a moment and what Cole Komet had to say about him. And then you get more offensive firepower as far as your skill position players. You hope in a new head coach that something will come from that, that Averfus is the guy. But in a first season, you kind of throw all of it out the window, all expectations. So, I man, that's wild, though. Under six point six and a half right now, 6.5 mm-hmm. is bananas. You know, looking at the schedule, San Francisco, th- those first four games are pretty telling, and they're pretty lopsided as far as, you know, you think they could go two and two pretty much at that point with San Francisco, Green Bay, Houston, and New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, right off off the bat, San Francisco is a tough draw. You know how they played the Bears last year and how bad that Bears defense just gave that away. You think that that defense will likely uh, take a step in the right direction, but then you go to Green Bay and you just got to figure that that's a loss. Aaron Rodgers has had the Bears numbers for so long, even without Devontae Adams now. We'll see what an adjustment that is for him and an older Aaron Rodgers, albeit. But yeah, I, I'd say life's too short to to take the under, but man, with the Bears, with with the expectations here, just looking at the the losses, you figure Green Bay immediately that's that's a loss. It looks like a better football team. Dallas, uh, you look at Green Bay, you could lose both those games. You look at Philly, might be slightly edged too, and Buffalo, but a lot of these other games could be tossed. New New England, that's a tough place to play as well. But a lot of these other teams don't really scare you. You know, Houston is a mess. Minnesota, that Bears always play tough. Uh, New York, also a mess. I mean, chalk that up as a win, you would think. Washington, that's really just kind of a coin toss at that point. New look Miami, that's at home. That could be tough. Two pretty similar teams with younger quarterbacks, and albeit, you know, the Dolphins look like a step ahead as far as offensive firepower goes. But really, it'll come down to those NFC North games, and those are just so hard to predict as well as the season goes on. You know, you think that Detroit and and Minnesota they're going to be the doormats, but again, Green Bay that's that's almost two wins you got to give to the other side. It looks right around five or six to me if I'm the betting man right now, right? Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing, right? Is I, I think number one six point five is, is probably an accurate um, line where to put that at and i say that because as a person who dabbles a little bit in gambling i don't bet big money but i do gamble and i look at lines and stuff like that you want to be able to try and entice both sides of the argument to throw some money on right and right now the heavy the the money is coming in heavy on the under right but i think that's going to be able to change now because when you throw something out there saying that over 95 percent of people are betting the under that usually scares the shit out of people and that scares a lot of the shit out of a lot of betters because usually um, when when a big amount of people are, are so much on one side, we tend to see the opposite side, right? They don't they don't build hotels in Vegas uh, with with uh, with not for profit money. The, the, those that money comes in, um, you know, you know, from the dollars that you that you've been giving them. So that that right there, number one, gives me a little bit of pause and hesitation to bet the under. I kind of wanted to go the opposite way on that. And then when you look on the other side. Bears, yes, they their roster is in flux. It is it is um, it is up for grabs right now. In particular, on the offensive side, offensive line is is still a question mark. We don't know what these wide receivers are going to look like until they hit the field. Um, and you're banking a lot on your second year quarterback, which is which is supposed to do. He's he's uh, you know a top you know a top pick for a reason, right? You, you want him to have all that pressure. Um, but I say that all that to say they. They do still play one of the easiest schedules in the, in the in the in the league, right? You get the Lions twice this year. The Lions have a better team, but they're still the Lions. They're going to struggle. You got the Giants on your schedule this year. You got the Texans, who are a complete mess on your schedule uh, this year as well. Um, you know, e- even some of the games where, where I think are, are kind of toss ups. The Dolphins have to come to Chicago in November, right? and, and that's going to be a difficult game for them to, for, to be able to travel to, right? The Bears get to see the Jets. Um, in, in November, I think those are very winnable games. I, I think seven is is exactly where I would put the, with the Bears at right now. But for me to kind of like, you know, go even further, I just think the Bears are going to be in a ton of one-score football games this year. And I think we talked about this year, uh, a couple weeks ago, right? When, you have, when you're in five, six, seven, you know, one-score football games all year, that could be either – plus four or five wins or minus four or five wins, right? And so I think 
I would put the Bears right now as a baseline at seven wins. It could easily go up to nine wins. It could very much go down to five or six wins. But I would still put them at seven wins right now, slightly trending up, just because I do think that Fields is going to take a, bit, a major step forward with Getsy this year. I think people are underrating, uh, you know, Bellus Jones and Darnell Mooney and what they're going to be able to do with Mooney and Herbert and be able to um, not have a number one wide receiver, but spread the football around evenly and really allow Justin Fields to just be the point guard of that offense. And I think that defense is going to be a top 10 defense. I love what they have on that defense right now, assuming Robert Quinn stays on this roster. Yeah, that's an important piece to keep in mind with Robert Quinn there. And and Jordan pointing out the Giants looks like a dub Detroit t- twice. Houston, that is a mess. And then you play the Jets, you play Atlanta. It could be as many as nine wins. I, I, I really do think that that's possible. I haven't watched a lot of the Colts, D. I'm, I'm just waiting to see Eberflus as the Bears coach here. But I think that it's, it's so tough to see this team – or to have expectations for them to be a winning franchise when there's just a lot of turnover and it's a brand new system. So you set your expectations low, but from a gambling perspective, like what do you have to lose at that point when you're looking at, at the over and with this schedule is so different from how the Bears' schedule has been over the past several years where they've just been just beat to shit. Like it's just been so tough to watch. Uh, with these, and they've been tight games every year too, but it's a whole new script. It's a whole new narrative with Aberflus and with this new staff too. And with Justin Fields with like a somewhat competent quarterback now at this point, it's uh, it's really something to, to look out for as far as Fields' performance in the offensive line. Like that's just going to be so telling. You looked at it last year and he was just not good. And a lot of that you put in the system and the offensive line in, in front of them. So can that, you know, just based on sort of preseason and based on training camp, like can can that be solidified and can that give you the confidence to bet the over at this point? And even without it, you, you could say it because it's it's really an easier schedule. Like we talked about, Atlanta is just a mess right now. The Giants, both New York football teams, when you get to play them, that's two wins right there. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, of course, we can never factor in injuries and stuff like that coming into play on both sides of the football, right? But, you know, it's kind of like you said, I I think that's a favorable schedule. I think the Bears are going to be in a lot of one run, um, one uh, score football games this year. I got like baseball in my mind for some reason. Um, And I, you know, we have to see if a guy like Justin Fields is going to be able to kind of put the team on his back. I, I always think of that San Francisco game from last year. Where he had that amazing touchdown run, we kind of you know ran out of the pocket and, and was able to you know lose massive tackles and, and put the Bears in a position to win that football game. And it was actually it was a defense that kind of gave it up for them. And I think the defense did that quite a bit last year. I don't think that's going to happen with a Matt Everfield's defense going forward this year. I, I watched a little bit of Colts um, you know defense last year. Um, it, it was very much a, a a slam the door kind of defense. It was also a defense that put their offense in a, in a ton of opportunities on a short field to be able. To capitalize on some points. That's why you saw a guy like Jonathan Taylor last year be able to have an MVP type of run, even though he was a running back. And that defense um, did a lot. I, I think if 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 um, you know I, the Bears don't have the receivers that the, the Colts did last year. I'm a huge Michael Pittman, Pittman Jr. fan, um, and, but you know I, I do think that Justin Fields is better than Carson Wentz. And I think that if um, if you can just utilize his talent and give him an opportunity on a short field to put some points up. I think the Bears should get the seven wins. And it's going to be, you know, maybe really close. You might be sweating it out that last week or so. You got you finish up the season um, with two uh, divisional games. You've got January 1st, uh, New Year's Day um, in Detroit. And then you've got also the week after that finishing up in Chicago. That's going to be a really chilly game, January 8th. But, um, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about, you know, you want to put 100 bucks on the over? Uh, you know, go for it, man. And hopefully – um, early January 2023, you're, you're cashing in on a pretty good bet and, and take that money and you know look towards a nice spring vacation somewhere. There you go. It's a late bye week this year, too. Week 14 for the Bears. Uh, and then they go on a, a tough, tough back-to-back with Philly and Buffalo, but both at home. So it's really a favorable schedule for the Bears. We, I think, again, like the conservative and the pessimist in me would, would take the under at this point, but why would you go with the majority? I think easily you could see a turnaround and, and like Jordan was pointing out this Colts D set up their offense so much and Aberflus being defensive minded. We know from the history of just the bear standpoint, bears have just 
done so much better under a former defensive minded coach. Look at Lovey Smith and and, uh, you know, just having someone like Vic Fangio around was just 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 did did that whole team so much better of a service than than how the offense had just struggled. So now the questions are, you know, is Justin Fields being compared to Justin to to Jalen Hurts, excuse me, or Carson Wentz or Marcus Mariota? In the second year here and with limited receivers, if he can make some noise with just Darnell Mooney and Velas Jones and, and some guys that he's picked up in free agency, then it's going to be super impressive what to see what he has when he has a number one weapon like a Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams if he ever gets one, which is the goal at this point. I know losing Allen Robinson will be tough, even though he had no uh, chemistry with him at all. Yeah. But you know, going back to the main question here, yeah, I'd put that, that money on the over at this point. Yeah, and you know those are those are names. I think Justin Fields is actually better than those quarterbacks going into his second year. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson very famously won MVP in his second season. He was just absolutely electric out there. But why can't Justin Fields have a second season like Josh Allen did? Josh Allen for the Bills in 2019. That team goes 10 and six, right? He throws for um, he has 461 uh, passing attempts, so over 100 more than he had in his rookie season. He completes 58% of his passes. He throws for 3,000 yards, has 20 touchdown passes uh, to nine interceptions. Really good, um, you know, touchdown to, to interception ratio right there. And then you look at him on the ground that year. He had 510 yards uh, uh, rushing on the ground, and, um, you know, he, he had a couple touchdowns as well. Why can't he have that kind of season for the Bears in year two? When you look at that, um, that Buffalo Bills offense that year, especially their, their skill players, you, know, you had guys like Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, TJ Yeldon was on that football team as well. Um, you know, yep. Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, Dawson Knox. These are not actually these are not world beaters, right? These are very uh, probably similar to to what the Bears had um, or have right now in terms of skill players. And what was the difference? It was Josh Allen being more comfortable in his second season, and it is now New York Giants head coach. Uh, Brian Dabble putting him and that team in a position to succeed. And so I think when you look at Luke Etsy, who maybe hopefully, fingers crossed, because that means he's having a good run with the Bears, could be uh, a, a head coaching candidate down the line. I think that the relationship between Fields and Getsy is going to be really, really important to have Fields take that Josh Allen type step in year two. And I don't, I don't think it's out of the ordinary. It listen, 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's a very realistic line to expect from Fields, assuming he plays healthy all year. That's a two-to-one touch to touchdown interception ratio. I'll take that all day. Yeah, talking about Justin Fields, he's the buzz right now, obviously being number one, being the alpha for the Bears right now, and the, the next quarterback that hopefully will make some noise. We know that he threw more interceptions and touchdown passes, and, and he took his lumps as a rookie. He had a tough schedule, and I think you you really do thrive on that as, as a guy like Justin Fields, and, and you look around the league with guys in a similar situation in their rookie year. Not everybody's going to have that, that just incredible year like a Pat Mahomes has or guys who just come out of the gate just doing incredible doing great work and you're from the Aaron Rodgers type of background too where you have a Brett Favre to learn from he's gonna have to really rely on Luke Getze and his coach and now you look at his teammates I think that's very telling where they're really supporting him Cole Komet saying quote you just feel him in the huddle he's not just repeating the play he's telling you the play And there's a difference in that that gives me confidence as a player out in the field He's talking to each guy. It's not just a repeat of play. He's telling us a play, which is a difference. He went on to say, he just, Justin Jones, I should say, had this to say, he has a commanding leadership on the field, a legit field general. He gets guys wound up, gets guys going. And, and we saw this at Ohio State. We saw a little bit of what he could do last year. How could you not root for the young man and, and think that he would definitely thrive in this new look offense, even with sort of limited weapons around him, not, not all proven besides Darnell Mooney, which he had some chemistry with last year. But in the second year, it's going to make a big difference. And you put him out there for at least, in, you know, 80% of the schedule, he's going to make some noise. It's, it goes back to what we talked about as far as his projections go. Now, is he going to throw for 4,000 yards? Maybe not, probably not. You would think on the under for that for sure. And is he going to throw 40 touchdowns? Most likely not. But he's going to do better than he did last year as far as those god-awful fumbles and those interceptions. And to that end, like what we've been talking about with their record, 
the defense is going to set them up better. The defense just collapsed in so many games last year and just didn't do the offense any favors. And now under Iberflu, you got to think that it's just going to be a completely different script for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, not not enough can be said about the fact that, you know, Justin, you take these these kids and they come from college. He was in, you know, in, in the uh, in the college playoff last year. So his season was extended. Right. That season is over. He was coming off an injury. You remember, he got hurt late in that in that college season last year. Right. Then he has to prepare for the NFL draft. He's got to do. Um, you know, all these workouts, he's got to do all these meetings. He's got to talk to different teams. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. You can draft it. It's a whirlwind. You got to go to Chicago. You got to find a house. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to show up to the Bears. You don't get number one team snaps, right? So you're watching and you can't really get a feel for the offense and, and how things go because you have to watch uh, Andy Dalton from behind. And, and, and fast forward to this year where it's like everything slows down. Now, all of a sudden, he knows he's QB1. He's got the offensive playbook. He knows his receivers. He can work out with them on the side, right? They can work on specific things that are within the confines of the offense. He doesn't have to worry about all the nonsense from going into last year. He can sit on wherever the hell he was at the other day. Look gorgeous on his freaking Instagram. Jesus Christ, I want to go there. Um, Right? But he can ease his way into this training camp knowing that he is the QB1. He's going to get all the snaps. And I think going from – being an amateur and that rush to being a professional can be a, a really taxing thing for young men. And then all, oh, by the way, you're the quarterback to now he's just a professional easing into the situation. I think that's going to put him in a lot more at ease, a lot more comfort, comfortability um, in, in handling the situation. And from a mechanic standpoint, we've already seen from mini camp and just photos and videos, he's tweaked his delivery He's tweaked how he holds the ball, so I expect him to cut down significantly on the uh, on the turnovers, especially the fumbles, and I expect him, them to be focusing on him getting the football out quickly and getting it to his receivers so they can go ahead and, and run with the football and, and uh, get that yak for him. For those that don't follow along, yard after catch. Uh, he was talking about one of his teammates was talking about him throwing into the wind like 30 miles an hour. He's preparing for the elements. He's got to prepare for – a whole new it's it's a clean slate for him too i think obviously the rookie year is just that it's just when you take your lumps and and just do the best you can and learn the speed of the game and talking about how he had that sort of limited year uh or elongated year i should say with the the college football playoff and then an injury added on to that you know he's got to take care of his ribs at this point mm-hmm. the important question ross is, is do you work out in the dominican republic like like justin does you out there wind sprints and and is it like rocky three basically you run on the beach so i am pro working out on vacation for it just it puts me in a much better mental physical state if i'm going to go ahead and hammer my body for six hours with alcohol or shitty food or whatever if i got if i'm going to the pool i want to look my best i'm 100 percent I will be like in the gym or on the beach working out about nine, 10 o'clock in the morning um, to, to prep myself for the day. Absolutely. I'm pro working out. I feel like it just sets the mood better. You feel so much better about having 17 daiquiris at the pool if you got a workout in. I'm actually a, um, a huge fan um, of, of the card workout. You ever heard of this workout before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where you get like an ace and it's 13 burpees or some shit like that basically yep. yeah. for, the, for those that don't know you bring a deck of cards with you on your trip really easy throw it right in your bag or you can download an app that has a deck of cards on it and you assign a body weight exercise uh to each suit right so hypothetically cl- uh, clubs could be push-ups and diamonds can be squats right typically you do an upper body a lower body a complex movement like a burpee and then like a core ab workout and then you just roll through the cards and you flip it over and you get five of diamonds and that's five squats and so on and so forth. It's quick. It should take you no more than about 35 minutes. If you're doing it outside on the beach, it's a great sweat. It's a great workout. And you feel so much better about the rest of your day when you go on and do God knows what you're going to do to your body. I don't know if I can do that in New Orleans, Ross, but I like the idea of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's sweltering. Yes. Well, I, I think last time I was in New Orleans and I, I did a workout, it was all like 
what am I going to do to just like let my arms look good for the next like <laughs> four hours while I'm outside on Bourbon Street? Oh, yeah. all, chest, like... all chest, no legs. <laughs> <laughs> right, anything else hot on uh, on the Bears right now for you, Ross? Uh, no, I, I think we hit everything. I mean, we're listen, we're we're in a holding pattern right now. I I don't I don't sure. think that we should try and force any news or, or information. We're in a big holding no. pattern right now until training camp what shows up. You just hope that everybody gets to camp safely, right? I think we already had one situation last week where we got off the air um, um, about the, the, the linebacker, the linebacker from the with it, yeah. the weapons charge. With, with the gun good. not being registered, whatever. That's, that's, that's small potatoes, right? You just hope that nothing uh, serious you know, else happens and we get all these guys to camp soon out in uh, Lake Forest and, you know, and we can really see kind of what's going on there and, and see uh, see this team kind of really gel and come together. It's lit. All right, Ross, yep. talking about the Bulls, the offseason started off with the bang. First round pick, Dalen Terry out of Arizona, got drafted number 18th overall by the Bulls, 6'7 guard out of Arizona. Hopefully make some noise off the bench right away. I like the pairing of him and Io. That'll be fun. But uh, already, you know, he's – man, he, he has some Chicago love with the Benji Wilson number 25 and a nod to Steve Kerr at that too. Did you like the pick? I like a, a lengthy guard. I probably would have liked something more in the front court, but it is what it is. I, I think I, I like the length of him. He's, he's kind of that prototypical athletic like swing man that you're looking for. Yeah, he's a 3D guy that, that you need right now. He's got more uh, D pause than he does three. Um, so that you hope that you're, he's able to work on his three-point game a little bit. And, and But he's still shot at close to 40% uh, in college. But he's a long defender, like you said. He's going to be able to uh, disrupt the passing game and, and get into the lanes and and and, and cause uh, chaos. Most importantly, it's one of the things that the Bulls really need, not only in the immediate future, but going forward, especially because Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are average to sub subpar uh, defenders. And, you know, if you watch the Bucks last year, everybody was always concerned about Giannis, Giannis, Giannis and going to the paint and scoring at the paint. When in reality, it was a three-point game that killed the Bulls last year, right? He, even with yeah. Middleton, after he got hurt, you still saw guys like Grayson Allen go off. You saw guys like you know Bobby Portis go off and, and, and other players. And so you have to be able to defend the three-point line if you want to go far in the playoffs. We saw the last two teams standing with the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Those, that was that was a three-point barrage, right? And, and the Warriors were able to win an NBA title because they were able to shoot the ball better down the stretch uh, than the Celtics. So, you know, the Bulls got themselves a, a quality, uh, you know, young man. He seems to have that – got that dog in him a little bit, right? He came in, you know, he knew about Chicago and he knew about uh, Benji Wilson, which, you know, if you're, you know, 35-plus years old, even if not, you just know Benji Wilson and how special he was – uh, to, to, to Chicago, and, and that he's the reason why every superstar player out of Simeon wears number 25. And I thought it was really cool for, for him to adapt that and also honor former Arizona Wildcats Steve Kerr, who also, of course, won rings here in Chicago as well. But I like the pick. I think it's an excellent pick. I think now it kind of sets up the Bulls to, to really you know attack free agency with a, a couple better needs, uh, a rim running, uh, you know, a rim protecting, rim running big, and, and hopefully they can add another three and D guy as well. I like him being an all defensive team uh, member back golf too, and and I know Nomad, one of our boys was talking about him being a gym rat. He's got he's got a lot of and I'm spinning there it is and. I think he fits really well with Billy Donovan's sort of philosophy and his offense and defensive strategy there. It's like you talked about to lead off Ross, how he's got a lot of length to him and, and it'll be very telling to see how he develops. Of course, you know, it's a very three point heavy league. The bulls aren't going to shoot it like the warriors, but they got to take those steps forward. And on the note of Dale and Terry, they think that fills a big need, but big question now is these rumblings. And I don't think you believe any, any part of, uh, Zach Levine leaving being a potential reality, Ross, but him as an unrestricted free agent would be just, I think, devastating for this team with the negotiating period uh, starting up tomorrow. It's a lot to be said for the Bulls negotiating position as far as them offering more money than any other team. I think it's about like 212 million, something like that for a max deal. He could get 150 ish from another team, say a contender, whoever would need Zach Levine at that point. But he'd surely get a max deal, I would think. And then 
could he be swayed by another contender? I, I don't know, but I think everybody on that in that Bulls organization, of course, AK has no other uh, choice but to to remain firm and saying we're hoping that Zach is here for a long time and that nothing has changed. I, and you would also assume that Zach has built so much chemistry with these guys as far as last season goes, and he's seen the ups and downs of it, and he sees that the ups and and the potential that this team has how they didn't have a full season with their roster uh, fully healthy and just the, the chemistry that him and DeMar had, and then just building around that and having everybody healthy and building on what they did last year. There's a lot to be said for that. I, he's got to stay around if I was a betting guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Zachary is not going anywhere. Listen, I, I think we already have come to, you know, resign to the faith that he will sign that max deal. With this the is Bulls. that off season of of all these storylines of these superstars yeah, leaving too, and it's not going to happen. He's not leaving money on the table. He's not going anywhere else to be the the second or third guy on that team. I, I don't listen. A couple of things with Zach Levine. Number one, nobody else can give him that five years over two hundred twelve million dollars. Yeah. And I say okay. it's over two hundred twelve million dollars today because we found out earlier this afternoon that the cap is actually going up ten uh, percent which means that max contracts also go up 10%. So Zach makes an extra two or $3 million a year uh, on his max deal now. So he's definitely not passing that up. Also, you know, I, as for as great as DeMar DeRozan was last year, I honestly, I can't think that he's going to replicate that. Um, he, he's getting a little bit up there in the age. I think I still think he'll be really good, but you kind of need Zach to ascend a little bit more. And I think he's going to be the more dominant figure going forward as, as DeMar starts to get a little bit older. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like what you said, which is I, I know a lot of people um, were, were quick to try and break this core up. I was even, uh, I was like all in on trading Vooch and stuff like that. But there's something to be said about, having some continuity, especially in the NBA. Look how many swings it took the Boston Celtics to, um, you know, to with that core group that they had to finally even get to the NBA finals, right? It's really, really tough. And, and I, I think, it, you know, a lot of people wanted to trade Jalen Brown early on and break up Taylor, you know, Tatum and Brown, and they stuck with it. They stuck with it. They made some tweaks to the roster. They, they uh, you know, Brad Stevens humbly uh, went upstairs and had Emmy Udoka, you know, be the coach. And look, they made it to the NBA Finals, and they should be one of the favorites to go back there again next year. But they have that continuity. And I, I would like to see the Bulls um, have Patrick Williams healthy for a year. He's only like 20 or 21 years old. I'd like to see what Zach looks like healthy. I'd like to see if Lonzo Ball can come back healthy as well. And I'd like to see if they can add a, a, a rim-protecting big man to allow Vooch to kind of play a little bit uh, out in space, um, you know, it, it, and, and kind of freelance a little bit more and let's see what they have. And, and listen, if at the end of this year, it doesn't look great or something like that, we can kind of reassess things and, and tweak the roster again. But, um, you know, it, it does start with Zach Levine. He's an all-star. He's one of the top 25 best players in the league. And you can't let those kind of guys go, especially where they're not even 30 years old. You talked about DeRozan not replicating last season. He's had a, a long, a lengthy and, and solid career thus far, last year being one of his best years. But it's Zach Levine's team. You ask anybody on that roster, DeMar himself, too, will tell you the same thing. And, and he, he's not getting signed and traded. He's not getting traded anywhere. There's nobody that's going to be able to uh, match him value for value. You can't trade him to the Lakers. The Bulls are not taking Russell Westbrook's contract back. Um, you can't trade him anywhere else. Zach Levine will be a bull next year. It, it, there's no, you know, we, we've we've been talking about this for weeks. That that question, the comment was brought up weeks ago. Zach Levine will be on the Bulls roster uh, come end of October, November, when they tip off for the regular season. Even if he's not sold on the team, you take the money, man. This this is this this is a very money driven league. He's got to. No question there. Do you like so all that you talked about a rim protector? I feel like there's a lot of buzz around Mo Bamba and some guys. Yeah. These bulls are still in the market for a big guys who would be yeah. rotational, who would be kind of the antithesis of Vooch, where Vooch just looks to score first and God, he just better have a fucking better season than last year. But yeah. would, would you like a Mo Bamba or someone like that coming yeah. to the bowl you know, So here's the thing, right? They don't have a lot of money to play with, right? I think after oh. you get Zach Levine and you get all these guys on the contract, they're gonna be above the cap. I do think that the Bulls are going to play in the luxury tax game to, to be able to, to sign some of these guys is fine. Um, they renounced um, Trey Brown Jr. today, um, right. so they have his money to be able to work with. 
Um, but, you know, if you're looking at their mid-level exception, they've got about $10 million to work with. They could trade Kobe White, which could, you know, free up another $8 million if they're able to, to find a suitor for him. But, you know, when you're playing with that kind of money, you're looking at guys like possibly, yes, Mo Bamba is a, is a guy that doesn't look like he's going back to uh, the Orlando Magic, especially after they, uh, they, tra- they drafted uh, Paolo Banchero last week. And, um, you know, he's definitely a guy that you can look at. Um, Isaiah Hardenstein is another name that you can look at, a big guy from the Clippers right now. Uh, he, he's uh, been an emerging big for them. He's not necessarily a big rim protector, um, but he does do a lot of the dirty work underneath the rim, uh, especially offensively. Um, a guy I like is Jalen Smith a lot. He's a top 10 pick from Phoenix just two years ago, and Phoenix just kind of dumped him and gave up on him, and he had a nice rebound resurgent season with the Pacers last year. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's just a super young kid, very raw, but um, ultra-talented. Why not take a, a flyer on a, on a guy that was a top 10 pick just two years ago? Um, and, and, you know, you could – you know, I don't think they're going to be able to um, find enough money for Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. But if the Knicks decide that they don't want to re-sign him, he's a he's a guy that would be fit perfect right next to Vucevic on that front line. So the Bulls got some options. I know they're going to try and really get aggressive with this. They're going to try and find a guy. I you know they might even try and finagle a couple trades and deals and maybe pull out like John Collins from Atlanta because Atlanta got Dejounte Murray today, and now Atlanta has a little bit of a glut. Uh, on their roster, they've got to move some guys like Bogdanovich and probably Collins. I would love to take John Collins uh, with the Chicago Bulls because I'm a huge fan of his. But you know, they, they've got some options, and they need a 3 and D guy too, like a veteran, a guy like a Gary Harris or something like that who can come in, who who knows his role. You know, Unfortunately, Caltavis, uh, you know, uh, um, Pope was traded today. I thought he would have been a perfect fit. But you know, Gary Harris definitely fits that mold. Gary Harris famously – um, was drafted by the Bulls and then was traded in uh, on draft night in the Doug McDermott trade, which is just an absolutely brutal trade for the Bulls. Um, so it, it would be uh, kind of serendipitous if we saw Gary Harris come back to our, or come to Chicago, uh, back to the team that originally drafted him. Oh, Dougie McBuckets! What a fucking travesty that was for sure. Uh, we talk about free agency. Bobby Portis maybe coming back. Come on, Bobby. Come on back to Chicago. I know yeah. Bulls fans are, are, are just praying that AK tried to take a swing at him. But talking about free agency, you, you touched on it. Uh, Hawks trading D- Danilo Gallinari in multiple first-round picks to the Spurs for DeWante Murray. That's a nasty backcourt right there of Trey Young and, and Murray. That's some firepower right there. That might be just what Atlanta needs, you know, Atlanta in the play-in games. And kind of a fringe. They're, they're always kind of that fringe eight seed. You're waiting for Trey Young to – to take that step in the rest of that team. But that's a great move for Atlanta. It is a great move. I'm a huge DeJounte Murray fan. He was a guy that actually wanted last year the Bulls to go out and trade instead of signing Lonzo Ball. I just felt like he was going to have that all-star potential, and he, he made the all-star team last year. So I'm a huge DeJounte Murray fan. Um, I think that is a, a, a steep price to pay for him. I, would they give up four first-round picks, right? Um, you know, By the time they probably trade John Collins this weekend, and they might have to trade uh, Bogdanovich as well. That makes you fifth, sixth in the Eastern Conference. And I think to give up, you know, four, four first round picks to still be fifth or sixth in the Eastern Conference, it doesn't really do much for me. Um, I'm also not a huge Trey, Trey, um, Trey Young fan. I think he's too ball dominant. The guy has a higher usage rate in the league than Steph Curry. He ain't Steph Curry. Um, and he's also third in the league in turnovers as well. He just has a poor shot selection down the stretch. I don't like building my teams um, around you know six two, six three guards um, that again are not Steph Curry, and he's not that. So I'd be curious to see the Want fit of those two guys. Yep, and and who's gonna you know is Trey gonna be able to play more off ball? Because I, I don't think that. Um, I just don't think that Trey's going to do that. I think he's really stubborn in that regard. But it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. There's going to be so much, I, I think, really small to intermediate movements like that. I don't expect anything big. But, you know, some sneaky thing happened today. I, I, I saw that, you know, James Harden, um, you know, decided to um, to not renew that that deal because he wants to restructure the deal and take less money and free up more money for Philly, which means they probably have something cooking too. They might have a Tobias Harris trade on the works to maybe bring in another star that that makes a little bit more money. So you know, there's going to be some things that are, that are going to be moving and shaking, um, you know, starting tomorrow, 5 p.m. Central Time. 
Uh, yes, Malik Monk is a free agent. I, I'm a big Malik Monk fan. You just got to move Kobe White first before you um, are able to, ble- to bring in Malik Monk because they become very redundant with each other. Yeah, the bigger news, if you look at it, was Bradley Beal declining his his option with the Wizards and becoming a free agent where he can sign a five-year max deal with the Wizards or he can sign with another team similar to Zach Levine type of thing. But mm-hmm. it, it could be very much the same thing. Man, what even even before all this, we see now John Wall teaming up with Kawhi and Paul George. I don't even yeah. know how that's going to work, but on paper, that's like, ooh, it's nasty. That's like when when the Nets had uh, who did they have? Paul Pierce and, and KG. And, right. Else, yeah. I yeah, don't know. It could just blow up in their face. <laughs> it could. I mean, you look at John Wall, right? I mean, he hasn't played in about two or three years now. Yeah. He, um, years he hasn't played a full season since 2016, which is absolutely just bonkers That's to think about. Um, but when John Wall is on, he, he's he's one of the most dynamic players in the league. I'm pretty sure he's lost about two or three steps since then, but. Why not bring John Wall in off the bench for 15, 20 minutes a night at $6 million a year? I think that's a bargain for the Clippers. You still have Reggie Jackson on that team who's going to be able to start for you. And if you could bring John Wall in to help with your second unit and provide some scoring and and, um, and some distribution to your other players and, and take you know a lot of the primary, you know, that Clippers team before they got hurt, it was a lot of Kawhi, you know, handling the ball. And it was a lot of Paul George. That takes a lot of energy out of your, your star players. You put a guy like John Wall on the court that's really comfortable handling the basketball that allows those guys to kind of you know take some breaks and, and be able to set themselves in a better position. So good for them. You know, circling all the way back to gambling, the Clippers before that move, I don't know where they're at now, but they were plus 650 to uh, to win the NBA Finals. That's not a bad bet if you want to take a look at that right now because uh, I figure, you know, you figure they'll probably have one or two more moves in them to try and, you know, bolster that roster. It's go, for, it's go time for them because both these guys are approaching free agency again, and you could lose both those guys. They traded like 17 picks to even get Paul George there. They got to do something this year, um, especially as they're building that new building out in the Crenshaw, I think, that they're building it at. Um, otherwise, the Clippers are going to be in deep trouble. Crenshaw? Yeah, Crenshaw. I, I, I think it is. Again, you talk about the age of Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. That's that's big. And and Steve Ballmer was super jacked about it, though. You, I, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, recapping the draft, we saw that Paulo Banchero from Duke jumped the other two oh, top prospects. And, yeah, jumping Chet Holmgren, the, the twig, and Jabari oh. Smith. Uh, Paulo going to the Magic, Holmgren and Smith going to the Thunder and Rockets, respectively. You got a favorite for Rookie of the Year? Just judged on that. Paulo Banchero is nasty. He's he, He's really snuck in last minute, you feel like. But, man, I mean, besides the magic wasting away, I know Shaq wants to come in and own the team and run them like he did back in the day. But but, uh, you can't count Banchero out as rookie of the year at all. Paulo didn't even uh, work out uh, individually for the Magic, and they still took him. So that was quite a bit of a a surprise right there. It had been Jabari Smith leading all the way up until the draft night. But I think Paulo Banchero is the best player in the draft. I, I think he's got a lot of Rasheed Wallace in him. Um, you know, a, a big guy, 6'9", 6'10", who could be able to handle the basketball, but who could be physical in the post, and you know, he could shoot the basketball as well. I'm a huge fan of his. I think I like that team a lot. They got Franz Wagner on that team. They drafted Jalen Suggs last year as well, the, the point guard from, from Gonzaga. Um, so I, I think drafting Banchero was the right move. My rookie of the year, um, Jay Nivey, I think, is got the potential to be the the – the most explosive player in the draft, you know, yeah. very quickly. He's the point guard from um, from Purdue. He's going to Detroit now. He's going with a guy, uh, Kate Cunningham, who was the number one overall pick last year. And all of a sudden, Detroit's got something cooking, man. You got to watch that team because they, they've got a nice young uh, nucleus there. And those guys can score. And I think Kate Cunningham, unlike Trey Young, is really good playing off ball. And, um, you know, Ivy's, Ivy's got some John Morant in him. He was coached by John Morant's, uh, you know, ex-coach. And, and you know, he's, he's tight with that whole thing. He's got some jaw in him, man. And, and if Cade and, and, and Ivy can put some things together, it's a scary team going forward, man. Good for Detroit because it's been a long time since that team has, has, has been good. You know, you harken back to the Chauncey Billups days and, and Ben Wallace right. and Tayshaun Prince, you know. That's the last time they've been good. One of those, that dynasty there well, with the – Larry Brown and company. Yeah, that was that was an insane time for Detroit. They deserve better, but they don't really. Detroit is still stuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talked about John Morant, and this leads to the best part of NBA free agency. The superstars going at the media, and Kendrick Perkins is 
beefing with Draymond and and Russell Westbrook beefing with Skip as well. Kyrie fighting with Stephen A. Smith about the world being flat. I'm just kidding. We'll talk about what he said in a minute. Uh, but the only one coming out is, is Draymond. And, and I had a little uh, a sound bite of, of him talking about uh, one of his favorite moments with Skip Bayless. Speaking for yourself, did you have a favorite fuck you? My favorite fuck you was my daughter sitting on the side of the float like. <laughs> that was that was my favorite during the parade. Um, my favorite since the parade and all of this is Skip Bayless. Uh, <laughs> everybody agree? Like, fucking guy sucks. Just saying what a lot of sports fans are thinking there. But why why poke the bear? I don't understand this in the offseason. Like, I, I get it, Draymond. Like, he, especially a guy who has a podcast is going to go like this. But Kyrie should know better, and Russ should know better than to go at these guys who just dissect players like them for, for a living and, and coming off just shitty seasons for both of them and, and seasons where Kyrie, you know, obviously had the big red flag of him not taking the vaccine and then Russ just being one of the worst three-point shooters and just a, an awful addition to that Lakers roster. The only guy winning here, if there's a winner, I suppose, is Draymond because he's still going on a podcast tour with JJ Redick and, and still getting the hits on, on that. And, and he already came off the championship, but these other guys got to be losing. Absolutely. And this is what Skip Bayless wants out of you guys. He wants you to, to drive this kind of attention and traffic to his show, right? That's no exactly what he wants. If you know about, you know, Skip Bayless, Skip Bayless started off in Chicago, basically um, as, as a columnist for, for the Tribune. And he was, you know, he was a pretty straight and narrow columnist for a long time where he didn't have any hot takes or anything like that. He actually wrote, you know, big quality content. It was, it was Skip Bayless. And then you had Rick Morrissey and you had guys like Jay Mariotti, who, you know, funny enough, Jay Mariotti was, was basically the guy that assumed the Skip Bayless role from back then. And then yeah. Skip kind of rose to fame and, and, and kind of was able to get on TV. And, and he, he worked on his shtick a little bit and, and, you know, he's kind of like the the sports Howard Stern a little bit right now. And and every time you feel that fire, that's exactly what he wants and what he's looking for. Um, and so, you know, you know, I, I, I do. Um, I love Draymond. I love his personality. I, I love everything about him. I'm fine with Draymond saying that. I think Draymond can. If Draymond's a four-time champion, then Draymond's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Draymond is also really awesome on his podcast. I think he's he's going to have a great home in the media going forward. The Kyrie stuff bothers me. And the Kyrie stuff bothers me because he deserves uh, any and all the smoke that comes his way. And the other thing that Kyrie, that bothers me about Kyrie is he's quick to say, well, you know, you're not allowed to comment on us and, and our likeness and this and that. Like that's, that's sports, bro. That's what yeah. sports has been. Comes with the territory. Decades now, from Howard Cosell back in the day to so on and so forth. It's it's what you sign up for when you get in the business. It's why you can opt into a $36 million deal this year because there's so much eyes and attention on you as an athlete. If those eyes and attention weren't on you, we can go back to the NBA where it was tape delayed games and nobody even knew who was playing and, and, and you were getting pennies on the dollar. So it kind of comes with the territory, right? I think Draymond is, is um, able to have a little bit more fun with it and to take it more in stride. And I think Kyrie, as with everything, takes everything just too goddamn serious and personal. And, and it's yeah. always me against the world. And it, it's really not, bro. And, and you know, this world is, is, is one big circle. You know, your world, you can you might be able to fall off it one day and, uh, you know, we might not see you again. So it, it, enjoy it. You know, enjoy this this time and the spotlight while you have um, because you never know what's going to end for you. And I, I think Kyrie came into this league as such a lovable guy out of Duke and really has just become a really uh, a, a huge villain and an asshole over the last couple of years. I, I, I'm not yes. a fan at all. Yeah. He's such a talented basketball player, too. That's a shame. Right. And coming off the narrative of, of him going to uh, to play with LeBron and being the reason where LeBron won a championship in Cleveland, largely, I feel like if he doesn't have LeBron, that's huge. Uh, but now, yeah, again, the anti-vaccine stuff, I get your stance, but you're hurting your teams type of thing. And then the, the flat earthing stuff is just boggling my mind. And now to pick fights, like why do this when you know you're under the microscope that much more as a superstar? And there's already so much so much expectation with this Brooklyn Nets squad, if they can even compete for a championship because they lost 
last year real quick in in this uh what was it, the second round to, to mm-hmm. boston this first past round. season first round they got swept. Round, yeah. the only yeah. team to get swept in the playoffs this whole year thank you ross yes i mean that's that's just shitty and russ you just this has been russ's personality for a while too yeah but, yeah, exactly. Same thing with him. It's like, bro, you're, you're you're you've been garbage. You hit the side of the backboard. Trash. Go, yeah. Go go respond a, with your play. Yeah, you're getting a forty-seven million dollar check right now, and so you kind of have to take the take it with a grain of salt. And you know, with Russell Westbrook, to me, it's like here's a guy who who has clearly lost a step or two, but he hasn't evolved. He hasn't changed his game. He hasn't been willing to to say that I am this kind of different player now. He hasn't taken a John Wall approach, right, to things. And um, and so he hasn't humbled himself. And so also you're going to get that kind of smoke too when you when you, when you you still, um, you know, act this way. Stephen A. will fight all your uncles, Kyrie, except he will not fight Rod Strickland in <laughs> supporting you. I went by Rod Strickland. He's from Chicago. Hell ball. no. Hell no. Speaking of guys I wouldn't fight, uh, this was a story I saw as we, we go to the random shit that, that Evan reads during his workday. <laughs> Mike Tyson said he was on shrooms for his Roy Jones Jr. fight in 2020. What? I know it was an ex- exhibition, but good Lord, if he wasn't <laughs> medicated, he probably would have killed Roy Jones Jr., right? I, I mean, so. I he said so. he wished he took <laughs> he said he wished he took more, more mushrooms during his career, like in his prime, too. I could not imagine that. I like talk, talk about taking the edge off if i take mushrooms i the last thing i want to do is be in a confined space in a ring bright lights uh many cameras and i gotta fight someone like, yeah. like fuck that what that's your idea of of tripping and having a good time mike tyson is nuts though I he think. is nuts shout out to mike tyson though i wanted um he has that, that new line of, uh, of edibles now that are shaped like ears yeah. Um, from from the mike tyson holyfield I, I wish they were selling those now in the dispensaries in chicago because i would love to try one that's a good move by him. Uh, covers making the, the the rounds, Ross. You remember Alien and Farm's cover of Smooth Criminal? I do. I do. Oh man, actually, it was a pretty good cover. It's 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 uh, it's almost blasphemy to admit that, but it, it is actually a good cover. That's what I'm saying. It's a weird cover that you wouldn't expect, but this yeah. shit still slaps. So, what's your favorite unexpectedly good cover? Ooh, I can give that. Um, to you. I think it's some I'm, great covers right away. Um, what is the uh, cover that Disturbed did? Do you know who Disturbed is? I know who Disturbed is. Yeah. Um, and they did, um, what is that? Is it Sound of Silence, right? Is that the name of the song? It's oh. an abs- yeah, absolutely. It's an absolutely um, just brilliant, brilliant cover. Sound of Silence is, is an amazing song. I'll look up who did the song in, uh, initially, but Disturbed did a... Um, it's Simon and Garfunkel, Simon and Garfunkel song, um, uh, originally, and then Disturbed did a cover, and it is creepy. It's a little dark, but it is an absolutely cool uh, cover. So that would be my my just out of nowhere holy shit cover songs. It's funny you took that turn because when I was thinking of and thinking this over, I'm like, God, oh Johnny Cash when he did Hurt, the yeah. Nine Inch Nails song. That was a really good turn and just very eerie and and you know Johnny Cash towards the end of his career too. But also, don't forget uh, the candy shop by Dan Finnerty of the Dan Band that was made popular <laughs> in the movie The Hangover. I think he was in Drake's uh, one of his new videos too, yes. doing a cover of, of Drake, of course. Yes, probably the most favorite one of all. The most famous one of all time is probably Whitney Houston, right? I will always love you. Yeah, she she took that from Dolly Parton, which uh, yeah. who, sang, who wrote and sang that song in a movie called The Best Little Horror House in Texas. Shout out Dolly Parton. Shout out to Dolly Parton, still. Yeah, not. um, uh, Marilyn Manson, Tana Love, pretty that's a good, good one, too. Yeah. yeah, uh, Nirvana covering David Bowie. There's just so yeah. many good, you know, that they cross genres. And you go back to one of the best covers, Bob Dylan, all along the Watchtower, covered by Jimi Hendrix. And that was just mutual respect for a lot of them. But then, yeah, you see some, there's like a guy who does sort of swing covers of like WAP and 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 shit like that. That's, I, I love that. I, I get off on that. That's great. All right, Ross, 4th of July yeah. around the corner here. Oh, by the way, though, Ross mentioned on Twitter and it's been trending. We have to just say our piece to rotten hell, R. Kelly. I haven't played your shit in a long time. You yeah. disgusting human being. You're getting sentenced to 30 years. You should die in prison. Yeah, uh, yeah go fuck yourself, R. Kelly. 100%. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to the grilling and cookout season is officially underway. It's been underway for like the last month, but, mm-hmm. but man, 
with Fourth of July around the corner, you got some hip hop barbecue going. You got your classic rock going. Depends on your your meal, perhaps, perhaps what you throw on the grill. But give me your impressions, Ross. Some of the top things here in, in your top five of, of grilling and and music combos. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think the food stuff. I'm I love hot dogs, Polish, anything like that. Um, you can never be, you know, a good old fashioned, you stick with the basics when meat. it comes to meat. Yeah. The, the hot, yeah. the, the burgers are fine. If you want to slow cook some, some ribs and stuff like that. Sides wise, I love potato salad. You like potato salad? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm a huge, good potato potato salad. Yeah. huge corn on a cob fan that's been uh, put on the grill and grilled veggies and stuff like that as well. And I can even do like some baked beans. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, you know, music wise, you know, you know, some of the honorable mentions for me, I, I feel like, um, you know, you can kind of go all over the map with, with music. Um, this is how we do it. Montel Jordan feels like it's like a huge classic, like just outside, you know, cookout song, outcast, so fresh and so clean, you know, jumps sure. out to me as well. Right. Um, but you know, my, my top five or, or five songs that I got to play on a cookout. These are, these are in no discernible order. Um, even though it's summertime, Earth, Wind, and Fire, September, has to be played at a cookout. Oh, has to be played that's at a good cookout. one. That's good has one. to be played at a cookout. Um, frankly, Beverly Mays, Before I Let Go, is another song that has to be played at a cookout for me. Uh, Beyonce, coincidentally, since we were talking about covers, did a cover song, uh, did a cover of that a couple years ago. It's not good. <laughs> Play the original version from, from frankly, Beverly and Mays, please. Some covers are better than most. Yes. Um, outstanding. From the Gap Band is another huge oh, 70s yeah, funk song for me. It's got to be played at a cookout. And then the last two, you know, from my childhood, Belle Biv DeVoe, Poison. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Slap or No Slap, Summertime for Will Smith. Better yeah. be played at your cookout. It is number one sure. cookout song yeah. of all time. Yep. Um, I will occasionally... Um, throw in the West Coast mix. So I feel like you can really get a lot of doggy style on there and a lot of the chronic, like a lot of like, mm-hmm. let me ride, like just those those old school 90s uh, LA songs, uh, you know, even the NWA songs, the Easy E songs, they sound so good when you're outside and you're sipping on a beer. It just reminds me so much of just like that whole scenery and the vibe and the videos of those guys being outside and everybody's got the car shows and stuff like that. So I can do a whole separate just LA gangsta, you know, gangsta music just set, 90s gangsta music. Right. That could be a playlist in itself. And I yeah. think, yeah, you're looking at what to put on the grill. I could just say kebabs, you know, anything yeah. like uh, you throw some good onions and pepper on there and your, your meat of choice, whether it's chicken or shrimp, like anything good like that. As far as like the classic rock goes, I feel like Fourth of July and cookout screams the Eagles and it screams mm-hmm. to be like credence, a lot yeah. of credence when you get John Fogarty singing and, and Fortunate Son, obviously, will be Fortunate Son will be played just so much more this weekend than any other weekend during the year. And playing Born on the Bayou, love Creedence, fantastic. Uh, getting some good steaks on the grill. You put some skirt steak on there, maybe some some strip. Don't don't do a ribeye. That's just for you. Oh, you know, you're right. you're hosting people. No, you wouldn't do a ribeye. Absolutely no. not. No. I think you talked about smoking like we usually do something smoked like a pork shoulder or something like that. You could definitely slow cook some ribs. It'd be fantastic. Uh, I'd say on the music tip too, like Snoop Dogg, as you touched on and Tupac, just some of the most playable music in, in a, a barbecue setting. Just so good. Uh, I think all about you is always a good song yeah, yeah. to blast there. That's just yeah. get the buzz beat and coming down like that. I got, I got five on it from the Loonies. I got five on it. Yeah. Snoop like gin and juice. Just great. Um, yeah. You know, the encased meats, <clears throat> the encased meats are going to be the star of the show, whether it be brats or, or, or hot dogs, but you got a good burger there. You got a good cut of meat. Yeah, uh, that's going to be great. Give me some, give me some, give me some white soul too. Give me like some Doobie Brothers and some Hall and Oats. I'm, I'm some with white too. man, perhaps. Yeah. Absolutely. Some oh, Hall yeah. and Oats. There you go. Uh, I've been big into Migos recently too. I feel like Migos <laughs> has a place. <laughs> Migos is, I've enjoyed <laughs> I've enjoyed what Offset and and Takeoff do in their their downtime yeah. in Quavo. Oh my Quavo, God, Quavo really so good. Ross. eighty five degrees and up, right? <laughs> Hilarious, man. Uh, like we talked about in our top five uh, hip hop albums, 
podcast and show biggie man you gotta have hypnotized in there you gotta have juicy yes Mercy. i was gonna say one more chance always felt like a, a summer anthem for me as well so like i one more chance is like it will always hit perfectly at the summer cookout yeah that's a really good one for yep. sure um yeah on that note everybody's i hope you have a good fourth of july out there the longer yes. weekend to get some time off and be, ross, be ross is looking for a coconut cake i am looking for a coconut cake in chicago a recommendation right now i'm, I'm contemplating bombone and pilsen um which we we know about from our old stomping grounds um but if you've got any thoughts or ideas um if you, you hit me up um this could be an ad so if you want me to eat it on the next show um i i am more than willing to i'm looking for a, a coconut cake um everybody be safe um you know Go get your fireworks illegally from Indiana. That is okay. Support their economy. Um, but here's my, my my Jason Pierre Paul PSA. Just watch your fingers. Watch your fingers this weekend. Do one of the the light the fire and then run immediately. Don't sit there and, and look at the firework to see why it's not coming out because um, you could end up in the ER this weekend. That's not a good look. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Don't don't be a statistic in the ER for for Fourth of July <laughs> at all. As, as all those pulling up fucking videos of people blowing their fingers off. Yeah, but yeah. Everybody, be safe out there. Eat some good food. Spend some time with family. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh Lord, look at that. <laughs> Uh, remember to catch all of our previous shows and and all the great programming on the Barroom Network YouTube. Check out the audio versions on Spotify, iTunes as well. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Everybody, be good to each other out there. Happy Fourth of July. So long. Absolute peace.